Let's pray. Lord, our shepherd, great shepherd. Thank you for the words of that psalm and the reminder of what you have given us for eternity. A cup that overflows, abundance, eternal life, full and rich and satisfying. Today as we meet, I pray the words of my mouth will be of use to the people listening. Now such you remind us again of those great truths, eternal truths. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue on our series through the gospel from the four gospels and acts. Today we'll be reading from the gospel of John. My text for today is from John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. On the last day of the feast, what feast was that? If you skip across to verse 2 of the chapter 7, you'll see now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. That's the Feast of Booths, or known also as the Feast of the Tabernacles. And when was that feast? Well, actually it was around about this time of year, usually September or October. Uh, Here in Australia it's spring, coming to spring. Over there it would be coming into autumn. So up in Jerusalem, probably reasonably comfortable temperatures and nice weather, and the harvest would be underway or maybe even completed. Now why did they have this feast? Well this feast was to remind them of their time as a nation when they travelled through the wilderness and they often lived in tents. And um, the thing that this particular feast was to bring to their mind was that during all that time God provided for them. He provided the food. He provided the water. And so as you'll see later with our text, that's a very appropriate occasion for Jesus to give this little announcement. Who came to the feast? This was one of the three big feasts every year. And most of the people of Israel tried to come up to the feasts in Jerusalem, one of those three big feasts. People would also come from other nations, Jewish people, to come to this feast. So there'd be a great crowd in Jerusalem for that week. 
on the last day of the feast. The last day, so we get a sense of urgency here. Christ wants to say something to the people before they go back to their homes, but go back to their own nations. He stands up and says something. He, uh, he stood up. That, as a physical action, is not remarkable, but when you consider the situation that Jesus is in, that is quite remarkable. Look back to verse 19. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The people were seeking to kill him. Verse 20, the crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? But just a little later, in verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And in verse 29, 30, 30, so they were seeking to arrest him. So it's a dangerous situation for Jesus to be putting himself out in the public. But he does so because he's got something important to announce. If any man, anyone, thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is a gospel invitation. It's given to anyone. We've already seen from the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus gives his invitation to people indiscriminately. He doesn't restrict it to a smaller group. He gives it to everybody. The gospel invitation is for everybody. In Matthew, through the parable, we saw it was sent out to crowds of people, a king inviting everybody to his son's wedding feast. In the same gospel, Jesus has said, whoever not believes, what's my, um, remind me, Matthew, where Jesus said, whoever um, having a difficult time, was it burdened? Uh, am I giving you hints here? <laughs> Anybody who's heavy laden? Yes, yes, heavy laden. Everybody's heavy laden. Come to me. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> and then in uh, in the Gospel of Mark, we saw him calling people that um, you know you got to. He called a crowd to him and said, "You got to give up your life, basically, and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me." It was only in Luke that we saw last week that Jesus looked up into a tree and said. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. A one-to-one invitation. So here he's giving a, a general invitation to the crowd, but this same theme about giving water to help people's thirst is already in this gospel spoken to one lady as an individual invitation. That's back in John chapter 4. Let me have a look at that one. John 4 verse 10. The woman at the well. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He would have given you individually living water. So he gives the same invitation to individuals as he does to the general crowd. If anyone thirsts, 
the woman at the well misunderstood him. She said, oh, if you've got that power to give water, give it to me so I don't have to come back to this well all the time. It's only later I think she, she understood. There are many types of thirst. There's that physical thirst. We're all acquainted with it. On a hot day, you thirst. After hard work, you thirst. And dry air, you thirst. But we have other thirsts too. Many people thirst for things. I want to have the latest of those. Many people thirst for a position. I want to climb up the ladder and be boss. Many people thirst for better relationships. But I think Jesus is talking about something underlying all those thirsts. And he doesn't condemn thirsting. But I think he's got something deeper in mind, and that's a spiritual thirst. People have a spiritual thirst, a thirst for truth, a thirst for life, a thirst for eternity. And I think underlying that, again, is their thirst to repair the broken relationship they have with God. A thirst to be rid of the sin. A thirst for forgiveness. Jesus doesn't condemn the thirst, but he does have only one answer for it. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So Jesus here is showing the compassion of God, the personal love, And he's also showing confidence. If anybody's thirsty, come to me. Like, I've got here the stack of water. Come to me. He knows he can satisfy your thirst. Come to me and drink. What does it mean to come to Jesus and drink? I think the next words explain it. Whoever believes in me. To come to Jesus and to drink, it's the same as believing in Jesus. And what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means to believe who he says he is. It means to believe the things he's done, the miracles. It means to believe what he's doing at that time, what he's claiming to be. And it is also believing what he will do from that point on, which was to die and rise again, to ascend and to reign from heaven. Everything about Jesus, to believe it and to trust him. What happens if we do that? Jesus has the promise here. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water, not little amounts, but abundant. Not stagnant water like you find in a pond or a puddle, but living water, flowing water. It's what the Jews used for their cleansing rituals. 
flowing water to make them clean, wash away their sins. Water, life-giving water. Have you ever driven up on the, in the outback, but sort of up on a rise? You can often look out and see the brown expanse before you. But often, looking closely, you'll see like a green ribbon, dark green ribbon going through that brown expanse. And you think to yourself, a river still with water. A river with flowing water, giving life to all it touches. Non-stop flowing water brings life. Jesus said it was according to scripture. What scripture does he have in mind? Commentators don't really know which scripture it is. But they've got some suggestions. Let's look at a few of them. Psalm 78, 16 is the first. As we'll read from verse 15, Psalm 78, verses 15 and 16. He split rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. It's a reminder of Jesus giving them water in the wilderness. Another one is Isaiah 58, verse 11. Isaiah 58, 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places to make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And then many scholars also say one more, that's in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 8. Zechariah fourteen eight. On that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. And many scholars favor that verse, particularly because it mentions living waters. So Jesus may not have had a scripture in mind which said exactly all that Jesus said, but a scripture in mind that mentioned living waters. And that was the end of Jesus' words. Very short, really. What he said was, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But as a saying that he cried out, like a public announcement. It's one of those situations like you go to maybe a big wedding or something and somebody wants to make an announcement so they've got to Tingle the glass, everybody be quiet now. You know, somebody's going to make an announcement and then somebody who doesn't have a microphone calls out in their loud voice their announcement. This is Jesus proclaiming, announcing something very important for their life. It's a gospel message. 
Now, what is this water? Well, John goes on to explain. This he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. This he said about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit of life. He's the Spirit, we read here, given to those who believe in Jesus. That's for them to receive, not for them to work for, but for them to receive by his grace and kindness and free offering. And we also see there that it was not yet given at that time. And there's a reason it was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What does it mean that Jesus was not yet glorified? Because already through John's gospel, we see things where Jesus does get glory. He changed the water into wine. And uh, I think it says here, manifested his glory. I think other times when the Father spoke from heaven, it showed him it was his glory being revealed. But there was a sense in which he was not yet glorified. And this glorification refers to the whole of Jesus' salvation work on earth. So it included his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. If you read through the gospel and notice when it's talking about glory and glorified, those are the things it's referring to. That Jesus will complete his work on earth, which is his glory, and then be raised up into heaven. Well, that's what he promised the people. But did they actually get it? That's when we turn over to Acts chapter 2. We know from Acts chapter 2 at the beginning that the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus and came down on the people and they spoke in other languages. As the Spirit gave them utterance. But we're going to read from verse 32 and 33. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This is this Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Yes, Jesus kept his promise. He told them, out of your believing heart will flow rivers of living water. And from the day of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, it happened. And it's not just for those people at that time. Verse 38 of the same chapter of Acts, chapter 2. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself the promise of the Spirit is for every believer it is to satisfy your deepest thirst. And it is 
a gospel invitation. We've had various aspects of the gospel as we've come through this series. There's the gospel invitation of coming in and joining in the feast, of coming and being relieved of our burdens, of coming and carrying our cross, and of hurrying down to welcome Jesus. The aspect of the gospel here was Jesus so wanted to get out was that part of the good news is that you will have the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit of life. The Spirit who makes things practical. So it's not just a theory that God loves you, that God cleanses you from your sins, that God helps you to live a a better life. The Holy Spirit who makes that happen, actually, in your life. He's a spirit of life. He's an eternal spirit. That's why you have eternal life, because you have the eternal spirit living in you. He's a spirit who dwells in you, who will raise your mortal body from the death, from the dead. So you can dwell forever in the new creation. This is good news. He is the spirit of adoption. That from the moment he comes to live in you, you are a child of God. The relationship restored. You are back with your father, your true loving father. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. In all situations. And the Holy Spirit is a giver. The one who equips us to build up each other in the faith by what he gives. The Spirit is life. And without him, the gospel would not be any gospel at all. So these words of Jesus come to us as gospel good news, as an imitation. I was personally challenged when I started understanding this passage. I kind of looked through for some other passages. (laughs) But no. What challenged me was, am I thirsty still? Of course, there are things that we thirst for. We long to be with Jesus. Uh, We long to have our lives more like his. But as I got to thinking about it, I thought, you know, I'm not thirsty in one very important way. I'm not thirsty to find a way to restore my relationship with God anymore. I found the one way. The one way is Jesus I don't have to look around for some method, some ritual cleansing thing to make me right with God. I don't have to go to another country on a pilgrimage to visit some holy site. I've been restored to God by Jesus. And so in that sense, yeah, sure, I don't thirst anymore. 
I found the one who satisfies my thirst. How about you? Are you thirsty? How are you doing in your life? I mean, actually. What are you drinking? The invitation is to come to Jesus. Come to me and drink, Jesus said. Not come a moment and then go away, but come and stay. Like Mary did. Remember Mary from Mary and Martha? Jesus came to their house. Martha was busy. Mary did one thing which was needful. That was to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. She came to Jesus. Let's pray. Good shepherd. We are surrounded by offers from the world. Things to try and get, relationships to try and develop. We chase after those things. We succeed in many things. And it's not that they're all against your will. It's just that they don't satisfy Only you satisfy. Only you, Jesus, had the power after your death and resurrection and ascension, along with your Father, to send the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the invitation of Jesus to come to him and drink. And Jesus, we come. Jesus, we come to you. Amen.